At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. This is the Just Baseball Show for Tuesday, June 27th. We have a national champion. We're watching uh, the eighth and ninth inning during this podcast. I think it's over, man. Like, I'll eat my words if it's over. It's 14-3 LSU in the top of the eighth as we record right now. Uh, So we're going to recap Omaha that was. We're also going to talk George Kirby, Jordan Westberg, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, and whatever else we kind of feel like. But Peter Apple, just baseball show, as always, brought to us by the fine folks at BetMGM. Yes, we are. The Just Baseball Show is brought to you by BetMGM. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using code JustBaseball. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses 
And if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Remember, gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 years or older. We're also going to talk a little bit about Bryce Miller, or Bryce Miller, Bryce Elder, because yeah. he continues to blow my mind. Bryce Miller's great too, but Bryce Elder is on another level. I, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I knew we were forgetting something. And I looked, at the, I looked at the text thread and I saw that it was Bryce Elder. And I was like, yes, I really want to talk about that because we saw Sonny Gray and Strider last night. We see Bryce Elder and Joe Ryan tonight, which is going to be flat out awesome. Let's start with Thatcher Hurd, man. The LSU Tigers, your national champ. Thatcher Hurd, who went from lights out starter at UCLA a year ago to reliever for LSU this year. He was, you know, whether he was an NIL darling or he was part of the recruiting class that was deemed the NIL darlings, like, you know, I have no idea. But what I do know is Thatcher Hurd had a diminished role from what he probably signed up for, got the ball to start the biggest game of the year in college baseball and fucking shoved, man rose to the occasion, came into the game with a 5.97 ERA, which doesn't completely do him justice because, as we all know, a lot of college ERAs are a little bit inflated. But he has some tough outings out of the bullpen, but you could just tell this stuff is frontline, especially in college. He's spinning these curveballs that are 3,100 RPMs. I mean, just the velocity that's coming out of these guys' arms is big league. The exit velocity is coming off the bats. I know that they're metal, but every single ball hit is 106. Even that 113-mile-an-hour ball that hit the umpire at oh, second, it's, it's incredible to see the talent. That's why I think when we brought on Pete Flaherty, we talked about that this might be the most entertaining and most talented College World Series we've ever seen because it does feel like big league tools are on display in every game. So I think that's almost a two-parter. I think that college baseball, the average college baseball player has gotten better. I think that the top yeah. flight college baseball players have gotten better. But I also think that college baseball has probably become more top-heavy when it comes to NIL. And if you joined us on the Friday episode, I kind of brought up the, the NIL conversation with Ryan Finkelstein. And the way I worded it was simply this. LSU has ID'd where you can thrive in NIL. There are four, typically, revenue-generating sports in athletic, pro, in athletic uh, departments in, in universities. It's football, it's men's basketball, women's basketball, and your marquee spring sport or your marquee other sport. Like for some places, Nebraska, volleyball is a revenue-generating sport. Iowa volleyball is a, is a revenue generating sport. You got Minnesota hockey, Michigan state hockey, but then you look at baseball, LSU baseball is a massive revenue generator, Florida baseball, wake baseball. They're all massive. The big programs make a lot of money on college baseball, LSU. Yes. They're throwing some NIL around in football and men's basketball. You know, you see it particularly with men's basketball, but think about what they're going to do. They're going to win the women's basketball national championship. With Angel Reese, who is a Maryland transfer. Angel Reese is one of the big stars in all of college athletics right now. They've got Livy Dunn still on campus in gymnastics. They've got Paul Skeens and Tommy White coming to campus. They've got Thatcher Hurd coming to campus. LSU has identified the secondary revenue generators on their campus, and they are feasting in those sports. And they're going to have national titles to show for it in women's hoops and baseball. Excellent return on investment. 
and you forgot about the big burly lefty, Nate Ackenhausen, coming in. He, he didn't pitch all that well against Florida, but to get to those games, he had an excellent outing. I think he threw six shutout innings. Yeah, if you think about it, the transfer portal, and I know it makes college baseball a lot more entertaining, and just the fact that Paul Skeens can come from Air Force and now be the number two player taken in this draft Probably. I mean, he's got yeah, to be. Shit. We'll, we'll see what the Pirates do. All yeah. eyes on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I said in our group chat, how can you not take Wyatt Langford, Dylan Cruz, and Paul Skeens, whatever order you want, as the top three picks? And so, I even said that I don't know because, of course, you're the voice of the Indians, the AAA affiliate for the Pirates. If the Pirates do, in fact, take one of these high school bats, it kind of shows that you don't know ball. It, it's not that like you're playing the slot game, but they already played the slot game with Henry Davis in yes. 21. They saved two mil there. They in turn turned that into Bubba Chandler. And I think Lonnie White, if I'm not mistaken, I know Bubba overslotted. So, you know, you're looking at guys and I, I see Gavin Gidry's here for the eighth inning. So it'll probably be Skeens for the ninth. Quick side conversation about Skeens. Paul Skeens, I appreciate the poetic justice if he does throw the ninth inning here and closes out the national championship for LSU. But his agent is probably drowning in a river of his tears right now with Skeens coming in. Like, if I saw an 11-run lead for LSU and I'm Paul Skeens' agent, I am jumping for joy knowing that that motherfucker ain't pitching. You should be throwing a senior in this type of scenario who's been on the team now for a while. Don't throw Paul Skeens after throwing 120 pitches three days ago. And I know technically this would be a bullpen day, right? Where guys throw between 15 to 30 pitches to kind of get revved up for their next start. There is no real reason to throw him in this game other than to just flex your LSU oh, muscles tree. and be yeah. like, remember we have this motherfucker who throws 100 mile an hour sinkers and is going to go second overall. We're just going to throw him in the ninth so he can win it on the mound. So I love it for Paul Skeens, of course, because if you ask Paul Skeens, you know that dude wants to come in the game and I hope that it's just a quick inning for him but it's just it doesn't really make any sense to me especially when he's going to be in the draft but if you ask Paul Skeens he'd be like yes of course I want the ball but just kind of going back to our Dylan Cruz Wyatt Langford Paul Skeens talk Dylan Cruz probably ended his LSU career with a triple in the gap just displaying all the tools he was showing his great defensive acumen in center field he was lighting the ball all over the field today, all through Omaha. He is, I think he has to go number one overall. Paul Skeens, he's setting strikeout records at 100 miles an hour. I think he could pitch in big league rotations, at least right now, and be okay. Not, I mean, he needs the command like we spoke about with Walker, but I think he could, like, get by right now. And then Wyatt Langford, he set the record for the longest home run in Omaha, and he did it twice. 460-foot home runs. These guys, I mean, Langford's bat seems generational. Cruz's all-around game seems generational. And frickin' Paul Skeens' arm is generational. I, I cannot understand taking a high school bat. We're in an incredibly good spot with college baseball, and I think we started to see it with Jack Leiter and Kumar actually getting to campus in Nashville. I think we saw... You know, those two go, those two want to play college baseball and knowing the notoriety that you can get within college baseball. Um, you know, if, if they were a high school first round pick, obviously you have outliers like Andrew Painter, who climbed all the way to double and looked like he could have, you know, been in triple at the end of the year last year in his first full season. But that's never really the case, man. Like you have a first round caliber 
high school arm. There's a chance they spend that entire, you know, first season, that draft season at the complex, and then they go to low A. Say you undergo some blips in the radar, then shit, man, you're ending the year in low A. Maybe you get a taste of high A. Like it is a methodical climb versus Skeens here. We could see Skeens get taken second overall. Maybe be shut down for the rest of year, rest of the year. Like maybe make a start on the complex, and that's it. Just you know, hey, show us what you got. And just I don't be like, think hey, can we just anybody. can we just see it? Yeah, <laughs> like, just see it? let's just make sure it's the same in person as it is on TV. Um, like it, it's not it's not the the elevated seams in college baseball. Um, but like he could do that, and then he could be in the big leagues next year. Like it's not far off the timeline. You may be bypassing a year of big league service if you go to college but dude Skeens was thrown on the espn family and networks like every single week there's some serious exposure that he gets here and how about some serious exposure for some other guys ty evans man nine home runs this entire year five of them in omaha set a record for the most amount of home runs hit in omaha for florida dude was just hitting it one out every single game like there's a lot of guys throughout you know, besides the big three that we talk about that we need to show some love to, you know, a lot of this LSU bullpen when they came in and they were just excellent too, especially in this last game. I actually not in this last game. That was more Thatcher hurt, but again, he is that bullpen arm, but just like Cooper and Bidry, they've been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Riley Cooper, six two, two hundred 270 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He's so hilarious. To watch. He and Beloso, they're very fun to watch. Um, no, I mean, I mean, Caglione, like you got to give him, you know, kudos for an excellent season. But I will say he dropped the ball yeah. in game three. Yeah, he didn't look good. His command was horrible. And I think that's okay. the problem with Caglione. So here's the thing, man. Like everybody wants to call him Cagliotani or Jack Tani. I think Cagliotani is perfect. Jack Tani was kind of lazy to me. <laughs> but people want to call him Shohei Otani. Like look at the we ERA. Look at the pitching we numbers. We, we have stop. to stop. He's good at both. Yes, he yes. is. He's probably going to go 1-1. But the but thing he is, has some shit he's got to work on on both sides. But the thing is, he's got another year to work on it. Yeah, right. Exactly. He's not in the same level of Skeens and and Cruz and Langford. Like he's not coming out this year. He's going to be a 2024 draft guy. So if he can go back this offseason, refine that command, the power. I mean, it's 70 power. 33 home runs is no joke at all. I mean, the no. dude hit 330 this year on top of it. Wasn't it the BB core record for homers in a season? Yeah, didn't it beat Ivan Melendez at Texas? I think so, because Chris Bryant held the previous record, but I think Chris Bryant was pre-BB core. Yeah, I think he was too. Yeah, so I guess he beat Ivan Melendez. So, dude, I like Cags is awesome. He's he's an insane, otherworldly talent, but like... It's we- so much talent, it just has to be refined. Like, yeah. it does feel raw, because it's like, for example, I thought a perfect example was in the first inning, Right. He nails the lefty in the back first pitch. And you're like, oh, no, next pitch, 98 at the knees. Like you could do that. All you got to do to these guys is just throw it in the zone. The only reason it went all over the place and how it got out of hand so early was the command was all over the place. He's walking the world. He beat himself. And I think that's where he figures it out, because when you throw 99 off the mound and that changeup is nasty and then you have 70 raw power with some stuff to work on plate discipline wise. He can really become a special player. I'm just so interested to see what he does next year and what teams are going to look at him as. Like, are they going to look at him as a pitcher? 
Or are they going to say, dude, like you could hit 40 home runs in the majors. We just have to get your bat. That's the thing. I would say hit her like, right put now. Put him in right and then have him throw Hunter Renfro throws to home. Yeah, but we've got a year to figure out what he's going to do. And like, I'm excited to watch Cags next year. Um, bringing it full circle. I see very minimal refinement for Dylan Cruz. And, and I mean, just to wrap on the whole college baseball thing, like if the pirates don't take Cruz, I think they're making a mistake. My only worry about Cruz is that, like, what's his ceiling? Like, is he going to get so much better? If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense, but like, He's just already kind of perfect. Like, I don't know how much better he gets. That's the thing. So if I handed you a perfect baseball player, would you take him? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm fucking taking him. I don't care. Because, like, I think at worst, he's going to be like a three-win player. Because he's so fast, too, and he's going to play great center field. Within the front third of that game, there was a two-pitch sequence where he worked all the way back to the warning track and leaped to make an excellent catch. A pitch later... He sprints all the way in and makes the catch like just shy of the infield dirt. He is an incredibly gifted center fielder. And you mentioned like that last step bat for him as an LSU tiger in all likelihood. We're still waiting on the top of the ninth, but the last step bat was a line shot into right center. And he showed off insane speed. We know he's got some juice. He doesn't chase bad pitches. I don't know what the flaw is. And I'm going to need, I don't know. Like, I'm going to need somebody to point out the flaw to me, whether that's, you know, hey, he gets into the minor leagues and you've got more advanced data. I have no idea what the flaw is. And if I can't identify a flaw, and I'm I'm a very untrained eye, but as you guys know, I watch a shit ton of baseball. If I can't tell you what that guy needs to work on whatsoever, how are you not going to give him the 9-7 that 1-1 that one, one commands? I, I would give him 10, <laughs> just round it up just because yeah. he's perfect. Yeah. Yes, he's perfect. But, also, but the thing is, like, I keep going back and forth because, Jack, I swear on everything, like, Legford is as good. I mean, I know he's he not the be. fielder. He's not as well-rounded of a player, but this bat is special. He you had know, 373 this year. He has 460-foot home run type pop. This guy, the way he works in that bat, I think it's better than Dylan Cruz. I don't know if long-term, I don't know how it's going to work, but when I watch both guys come to the plate, I am more afraid of Wyatt Langford. I just am. First pitch, line drive single for Dylan Cruz to open the top of the ninth, by the way. Oh, damn it. I wanted the triple to end it, but he also- Get wrecked. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, another base hit. These guys um, are perfect. They're they're amazing. He's four for six tonight, Dylan Cruz. And Langford's only one for three with a home run. <laughs> Cruz, but Lakeford went five for six in the in the second game when they put up twenty four runs. Skeens done. Skeens is done warming. Thank God. Good. Thank God. I mean, <laughs> oh. can you imagine he gets hurt on the mound right here? Oh, thank God he's done warming. Um, no, man. I mean, like I I hear what you're saying with Lankford. I think Lankford has way more juice in the tank than Dylan Cruz does. But again, Cruz is just fucking perfect Perfect. he hit what 430 this year he had a 550 obp there's no wrong answers my thing is my thing is i think about cruz and langford before they get into pro ball much like how a lot of people thought of dansby swanson and alex bregman that same Mm. year swanson and bregman were yeah they're just both going to be really really good but i think look at them now yeah i mean it's it's very similar to that 
I think these two guys might have a little bit more upside than both of them. I'd be very interested. Like I'd love to bring, bring Pete Flaherty on when we talk more about the draft to kind of talk about those two guys and how Langford and Cruz compare, because I'd venture to say that Pete would say both of them were better prospects than Dansby or Alex Bregman, but I could be wrong. I'm very interested in that combo. Yeah. I mean, Dansby was awesome, but, but so much of Dansby was like leadership on an incredible fucking baseball team. And, you know, yeah. we've, we've talked to Walker Bueller about him too. And Bregman, he was just another worldly talent that moved over to third. And we've seen how good Bregman is at the big league level. Those guys are perennial all-star candidates, yeah. uh, but that's the upside. That's the best possible outcome for, for Cruz and Langford perennial all-star candidates. So we'll see how that shakes out, but Man, it was it was a fun college baseball season to monitor. And uh, LSU was the preseason number one. There were some ebbs and flows, and Wake was excellent. Got to give flowers to Wake Forest, but NIL University got the dub, baby. I did all this research, all the futures I put out, and I did end up betting on LSU. So technically, I made my money back, sort of. I think I even lost .05 units or something, but it was always just pick LSU. They have always- Dylan Cruz and Tommy Tanks and Paul Skeens. Just don't overthink it. Just pick them. All the research uh, just for the best team to end up with. Yeah, like Which doesn't be- often happen. No, it well, doesn't. The thing is, LSU was the seventh seed going into this. So, well, seventh ranked team. They weren't the seventh seed. They were the seventh ranked team. So, Wake and Florida were one and two. And rarely do we ever see one and two win. And it ended up being the preseason number one, which is LSU. Um, and then they just scored again as I'm talking. Cruz scored from first. It's now on a ground ball down the third baseline. <laughs> it's now 15 to four. Yeah, Dylan Cruz is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, no, I mean, dude, on February 1, we were looking at LSU and like, this team is sick. Hell, last July, we were looking at this team when Tommy White transferred and when Skeeds transferred, and we were like, this team is sick. And look at them now. This team yeah. is sick. Let's get to the big leagues here. Um, I want to start with that George Kirby article that you read. It was on MLB.com. David Adler wrote it. I thought he did a really good job. Kirby has has long been a favorite of mine. I think anybody that's been listening to this pod knows that Kirby has long been a favorite of mine. His junior year at Elon, I want to say that was 2019, George Kirby struck out 107 and walked six. And the premise of Kirby is exactly what David Adler wrote about. Uh, this guy doesn't walk people at a historic pace. George Kirby has seven walks in 94 innings. Seven walks in 94 innings. In terms of the strikeouts, right? Because in those 94 innings, he has 79 punch outs. So he's, for every walk... He's striking out around 10, 11. The next best is Joe Ryan at around six. This is historic levels of strike throwing. And I love this quote in the article. I'm like, just so obsessed with throwing strikes, Kirby said. I hate walking people. He has the highest single season K to walk ratio in American League or National League history. Next up is Phil Hughes, then Brett Saberhagen in 1994. You got Cliff Lee in there. I mean, this is this is the best control that we have seen in a very, very long time. But we talk about the difference between control and command. 
And it's not just he's throwing a bunch of strikes, right? Of course, he has the highest in-zone rate of any pitcher. He also has the highest percentage of pitches in the zone and on the edges. Every single thing that you're going to find about George Kirby is number one in both control in terms of just throwing strikes while also commanding strikes within the zone because he has very good stuff. He doesn't have elite stuff, but he's still getting a bunch of swing and miss on all four of his pitches. George Kirby has to be considered one of the best young aces in, in all of major league baseball. That, I think that's the bottom line because when he's, touching upwards of 98 miles an hour with a hook and he's got all these different pitches. He's got the sinker, the slider, the curveball, And he's like, it's, so we could, I could just keep listing a bunch of stats to tell you that the command and control is unmatched in major league baseball. Like when you think of guys throwing strikes, when you Google it, George Kirby's picture is going to come up. So I, I wrote an article last year about Kirby and I literally tabbed him as, the pitcher that baseball needed because he was a guy that was obsessed with strike throwing. And then the stuff ticked up when he got to Elon, I think he was sitting in the mid eighties, maybe high eighties. And all of a sudden he was touching 99 miles an hour in the minor leagues. And Kirby, I watched him close games on the Cape in 18 in 13 innings out on the Cape against the best college hitters in America that didn't go play for the team USA collegiate national team. Kirby in 13 innings struck out 24 and walked two. You see that with a guy that's closing games that was starting at Elon. You say, okay, this guy has it. And again, 14 starts with Elon in 2019, 107 punches, six walks. That's 24 or no, that's 17.8 strikeouts to walks. So since his last year at Elon, and just in the major leagues, how many walks does he have? Um, we because last season, <laughs> last season, I'll give you his major league stats. So in 130 innings last year, he had 133 punch outs and 22 walks. Yep. He's thrown 224 innings in his major league career and has 29 walks. How many walks did he have at Elon? Do we know? Uh, at Elon in college baseball in 240 innings, he walked 50. So his walks per nine clip was the highest at any stop in college, and it was 1.9 walks per nine. In the minor leagues, in 117 innings, Kirby walked 21 guys. In the major leagues, in 224 innings, he's walked 29 guys. So in the minor leagues, George Kirby had a 2.6 ERA, 10.5 Ks per nine, and 1.6 walks per nine. In the major leagues, he's got a 3.3 ERA, Eight and a half Ks per nine, 1.2 walks per nine. 25 He's so years much old. fun. He's yeah. 25 years old. The only reason I'll push back on Ace a little bit is the Ks aren't there and the hits pile up a little bit at points. Like we saw a 3-4 from him last year. We're seeing a 3-3 from him this year. I got to see a sub three before I call a guy an Ace. I guess what I meant of when we look at pitchers 25 and younger. No, he's one of the better young pitchers he, yes, in all of these. That's what I'm saying. And why couldn't he develop into that ace type pitcher? No, right. Because if you're telling me my ace is a three, two ERA guy who throws 180 innings a year and doesn't walk anybody. I mean, it's hard to find like a lot of pitchers in this day and age who are going to do that consistently. No, no one does that consistently. And I have no reason to believe that this isn't going to continue because he's not allowing free passes, which is so key. And it's not like his hard hit rate is that crazy, right? 40% this year, 
38% last year. It's around league average, right? So if he's allowing league average contact while striking out in the league average while not walking anybody, maybe it's not an ace, but it's a very high-end number two. Braden Jobert just hit one of the fucking moon, 18 to four in the top of the ninth. 18 to 406 miles an hour, 394 feet. I mean, it, off the backs of a 24 to four Florida win. Now it's 18 to four LSU. So we've got, we've got the run differential coming back. If we were to, if we were to score this by the run differential, I think Florida would still win the national title, but guess what? LSU won two of the three games. Yeah, man, I I'm bought in on what, what Kirby's doing. I've been bought on and I've been bought in on him for a really long time. And I think it's only a matter of time before more people, you know, fall in love with Kirby. And and I think we were hoping that the Mariners would be in a much better situation than they are right now. And I think that Kirby would be getting a lot more eyeballs on his starts. Uh, hasn't been the case, but he's making the most of each start, which is really impressive. Bryce Elder has a lot of eyeballs on him. And that was not the case at the beginning of the year. I think we looked at Elder as the ace of the Gwinnett Stripers. Uh, at the beginning of the year and like Schuster and Dodd were going to be better than Elder and he was an afterthought and he was third on the totem pole between Ian Anderson and Kyle Muller before that trade uh, and then he got to Elder but dude like this guy is just not stopping he throws tonight against Joe Ryan in Atlanta the bubbles hate him with a burning passion they hate him yeah but he's the king of fuck the bubbles this year and my only understanding of why this guy is achieving insane success is he throws a bowling ball. Yes. And there's pitchers in baseball that the bubbles don't necessarily like, right? Like we look at Framber Valdez's peripherals, bubbles and they aren't great either. Logan Webb's too, but Bryce Elder has a gift. It's keeping the ball on the ground. Fremer Valdez is the ground ball king, 58% ground ball rate. Bryce Elder, 57% this season. And Logan Webb is right there, too. I think exactly. Sabat hates sinkers. If they they just don't like it if you hit the ball hard and you hit the ball on the ground. Like, Bryce Elder doesn't throw hard. His fastball doesn't really spin, right? He's not a big strikeout guy. But what he does do is he fills up the zone with quality stuff. It's not great stuff. Right? Like the sinker is 89. The four seam is 91. The slider is 82. But I'm like, I'm watching his start against the Phillies, dude. They have no shot. If you're not a super disciplined team against Bryce Elder, he's just going to pick you apart. He's going to throw the sinker on your hands and you're just going to ground out. Or he's going to throw a slider low and away. He's just fooling with hitters, right? He's not trying to blow you away. He knows himself. It's clear. Like, and I think that's what's so key about some pitchers. It's about finding your lane. And I think Bryce Elder at 24 years old already has realized, all right, this is my lane. I'm not going to beat you by blowing it by you, which a lot of pitchers, especially young pitchers, try and do. I'm going to dare you to hit my stuff and let my defense work for you. And that's exactly what he's doing, which has led to a 2-4-0 ERA. What if I told you at the beginning of the season that on June 28th, or June 27th, whatever day it is, he was going to be the national that Bryce league. Elder would have the best ERA on the Braves and would be their frontline starter today. I mean, you'd call me nuts. Doc, I, I think it's best ERA in the National League. Exactly. He's I got mean, that's two, what we're looking at here. He's got a 2-4. I'm looking at the ERA leaders. McClanahan, 1. Valdez, 2. 
Bryce Elder three. He's seven points ahead of Marcus Stroman. I mean, he he was tell you what, I had an excellent week of watching baseball when Indy went to Gwinnett to see Gwinnett last year because I watched, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Elder, Kyle Muller, Tucker Davidson, and either Ian Anderson or Waskari Noah. Like I watched four of those five throw on back to back to back to back days. And I was just spoiled because they were all advanced triple A pitchers. That's what I thought Elder was. But the reality was Elder was just getting comfortable. Like Elder was figuring out who he was. And I think that is the best use of triple A. If you are the contingency plan for a great team in major league baseball and you're in triple A, you can either soak about it and wait to get traded or you can perfect who you are. And Elder never threw 98, at least not in the upper level minors. Like he might have at Texas. I don't remember Elder that well at Texas, but Elder was never the, oh my gosh, this guy has big league stuff guy. In Gwinnett, he was just, oh, Elder gave him seven again. How did that happen? He's given the Braves seven every time. Every time. And I think that's the key because looking at Bryce Elder long-term, do I think he's a two four zero ERA guy? Probably not. But with the way people react to him on social media, you would think that this guy has an ex-ERA of five. It's an expected ERA of around three seven. Do I think that's probably what he is? Yeah. Do I still think that's a very quality pitcher to have? Absolutely. He's going to keep you in games. And that's all the Braves need, right? Like Bryce Elder, with all due respect, is not pitching on the Royals right now. He's pitching on the Atlanta Braves. What the Braves need him to do is go five to six innings of two-run ball, and they're going to win those games, right? And that's exactly what he's doing, but to a much higher level. Even if he regresses, this is a guy that I think Braves fans can be content with and say, when Bryce Elder has the ball every fifth day, we have a really, really good shot at winning against anybody in baseball. And the last number that I want to point out is opponents have a 292 OBP against him. So... Minimal walks, opponents are hitting 230. If you keep that OBP under 300, I feel really good about each time you toe the hill. Um, Let's talk Jordan Westberg here for a moment, and then we'll wrap with Fernando Tatis Jr. Jordan Westberg, the Orioles shortstop, made his debut on a rain-soaked Monday night. He walked in his first plate appearance. They're apparently about to get going again, and we're talking just after 10 o'clock. So, Hey, best of luck to Jordan Westberg. Maybe he gets his first career hit. Maybe his first career nuke. Maybe he strikes out the rest of the time. But what I will tell you is Jordan Westberg was as high floor a bat as you had in the minor leagues. And Jordan Westberg is immediately, I Arm and I were talking about this, I think on the call up on Sunday, Jordan Westberg is immediately going to give the Baltimore Orioles a WRC plus at 80 or better. And that is not what they've gotten from Jorge Mateo. Is since May 1. In April, they were getting that. But since May 1, they weren't getting that at all. I will tell you here, though, you know, just looking at Westberg's numbers in Norfolk, 67 games with the Orioles AAA affiliate. He was hitting 295 with a 940 OPS, 18 homers, 54 driven in in 67 games. He was six for six in the stolen base department. Last year, between double A and triple A, 91 games in triple, Westberg had an 850 OPS, 40 doubles, 27 pumps, 106 driven in. He's going to be a good bat. He can play shortstop. 
He can play third base. If you need to throw him at second, I'm sure he can survive there. The Orioles have like three of those guys right now. In Westberg, in Gunner, in Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby is like a true second baseman. They've got this gluttony of riches. They're the best farm system in minor league baseball. And they just called up one of their better prospects. I have a question for you. So what I've heard online is that Westberg could provide a really good platoon with Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson this season has a WRC plus below 70 against left-handed pitching. Absolutely demolishes right-handed pitching. And Westberg, I think, is claim to fame. Of course, he can hit right-handed pitching, as I'm sure he did in the minors. But I think his bread and butter is against lefties. Do you agree with that type of platoon? How would you play them right now on the Orioles? I think you play them both every day. And I'm going to tell you so far this year, Jordan Westberg against right-handed pitching is hitting 313 with a 1034 OPS. Jordan Westberg against left-handed pitching is hitting 243 with a 680 OPS. Okay. So I understand like, hey, he's a righty bat. He'll probably be better. He's a reverse splits guy at, at this point. So the idea of the handedness platoon with Gunner, I think you got to throw it out the window. Um, I think you're selling these guys short if you're not playing them every day. I couldn't agree more. I was just curious because I heard that and I wanted your opinion. Yeah, no, tell them, tell them they don't know ball. Um, <laughs> I just think it's time to relegate somebody to a bench roll. I, I think it's yeah. time to relegate Mateo to a bench roll. You got or to. Adam Frazier, right? You can put Westberg at second. Allegedly, they signed Frazier to play corner outfield too. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just thinking of mixing and matching because Frazier has been better than Mateo. I just think Mateo provides a ton of value, at least on defense. And Mateo, you know, he's hitting over. Yes. I know, but he is hitting over 300 against lefties. So they that what they do have is some interesting platoon bats, maybe not with Gunner and, and Westberg, but they can mix and match and create lineups that ultimately drive in runs against either side of the pitcher, whether that be a righty or a lefty. I mean, they're just going to be a really good team for a really long time because Jordan Westberg is only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, just a lot of bergs. No, I mean, Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, in their – like latest update. They they have him ahead of Ellie De La Cruz, which is like a conversation for another time. I yeah, don't think we need to get I, into I that know. now. I just no. actually it's a really quick conversation. I think that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it with Arm too. Like yeah. I, I I don't understand it. Yeah, but what I will say is Mateo, 22 games in April, hit 333 with a 1044 OPS. 26 games in May, hit a buck 28 with a 316 OPS. So far in June, 19 games, hitting 212. With a 5.10. I thought he made a change in April. Get wrecked, McMullen. Uh, it looks like April was the outlier here. And, and Mateo, we've seen top prospect tried and failed. Um, I hope he's not failed because he does so much. He's an excellent platinum glove level defender. He's one of the faster guys in Major League Baseball. But this guy can't be an everyday bat. And now you've got an everyday bat up with you. So I think it needs to be Gunner and Westberg playing every single day. And Mateo fills in when somebody needs to get off their feet. Should we talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. now? Yeah, let's wrap with Fernando Tatis Jr. But before that, quick conversation about So Rare because we've got this excellent opportunity for you. Like, obviously, we've told you about the Just Baseball League a lot. Um, and, and that link is in our episode description. You can join that free league. But what, what I found fascinating was I was clicking around and there's a video on our social medias 
um, of, you know, me kind of shopping through limited cards, because that is the way if you want to start buying cards, that's the way to get into it. So you can buy like rare, super rare, unique, all that. Those price points are beyond me. So I look at the limited front and I look at a guy like Reed Detmers, who's starting against my White Sox right now. And I see nine bucks to have that guy forever and ever until I feel like I want to sell him. I think Reed is a rocket ship. I think he's going to be awesome. So if I can get in on that guy for $9 right now, I think the reason people love cards is because it's almost like buying stock in players. And this is your opportunity to buy stock in your favorite big leaguers for an okay price point. And let's say you don't want to spend any money. You can still join our fantasy baseball league. It's absolutely free. We're competing. Arm's going to go over the uh, the leaderboard tomorrow. We're going to be giving out some free merch. So definitely go check out the link in our episode description. Like Jack said, perfect opportunity to invest and then ultimately make more money if you know ball. And <laughs> what I love about this podcast and our listeners is that some of the best ball knowers I've ever seen, like what they're tagging me in, like their comments, it's they're really, really smart, and this is a great opportunity for you to buy low on some guys that you really like in order to cash in, and if you don't want to spend money at all, no worries, because you can join our Fantasy League for free and just have fun, and if you win, you'll get some free merch. So that link is in our episode description. Shout out my Twitter kings, Tiago and Nick. Uh, Connor Joe, very cheap price point on So Rare. so go get him uh, on So go Rare. Him. Go get Connor Joe. Um, all right, let's wrap with Fernando Tatis Jr., because this guy <laughs> has become one of the better defensive outfielders in baseball. Full stop. Yep. Full stop. Let me introduce you to Fernando Tatis Jr., the new and one of the best right fielders in all of baseball. And by outs above average, you could consider him the best defender in right field. I'm being serious. The tools are all there. So what we look for are freak athletes. They're normally going to figure it out in an outfield position. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the best athletes that we've seen in Major League Baseball. Ellie De La Cruz is getting all the shine. Let's not forget about Fernando Tatis Jr. 95th percentile in the sprint speed. 95th percentile now it's above average. But what's blowing me away, Jack, is the jumps that he's getting. He's in the 85th percentile in outfielder jump. Because as much as we love to talk about eye test when it comes to defense, it just doesn't cover the full scope. And StatCast, it's getting better and better by the day. And the fact that they can track routes and route efficiency and put it into a number for us, it's showing that Fernando Tatis Jr. is using his speed to his advantage, but his instincts in the outfield are shining through. And then to mask all that, let's say it's an easy fly ball to right field. You ain't running from second to third on Fernando Tatis Jr. 99th percentile in arm speed, in arm strength, excuse me. Ronald Acuna Jr. is 100th percentile. Like Aaron Judge is 99th percentile. These are some of the best overall arms in Major League Baseball. So you combine, he's one of the fastest players in the game. You combine his incredible route efficiencies, getting to balls. And then you have one of the best arms in baseball. What has been created is quite possibly the best defensive right fielder that we have in Major League Baseball. And so, then you look at the war totals. He's got the same war as like Corbin Carroll. In 20 less games. Yeah. So, you know, I motorcycle, PED, I think people forgot. I I do. And, you know, I I think you say that with some satire in in your voice, like, hey, people forget. Like, I think they actually did. 
think they did forget how ridiculously awesome this guy was. He didn't play at all in 2022. But this guy is having the worst year of his offensive career in terms of OPS, and he still has a career OPS of 953. His worst year OPS-wise is at this point 898 entering play on Tuesday with 15 pumps, and he's 14 for 16 in the stolen base department. Like, he is... He's one of the best talents in all of baseball. And we are at the golden age of baseball talent, like Otani, Acuna, Tatis. I think that's where he slots in. And you can look at other guys, Judge, Carroll, Trout. Yeah, keep going. And that's crazy that I just included Corbin Carroll. Hell, I'll include Ellie De La Cruz at this point too, but why not? I mean, Tatis, he's on that really short list. Otani, he's his own tier. I think Acuna and Tatis are that next tier. Welcome to Fernando Tatis. And and here's the thing. World-class athletes can get away with circuitous routes. World-class baseball players take perfect routes and show off their athleticism. And he's a world-class baseball player. He's world-class. And he's... And he's fast. (laughs) Yeah, he's 24. Okay, so... He's younger than Adley. I mean, this is amazing. Like, the talent in Major League Baseball is amazing. It blows my mind every day. Tatis could be a COVID fifth-year senior at LSU right now. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Otani's fast. Otani's fast. Tatis is 24. Uh, Tatis is 24. That's the new bit. Did you know Tatis is 24? I no, my favorite I actually thing did. Is, my favorite thing is he's younger than Adley because Adley is like weirdly way older than everybody else. And it's funny to say, yeah, George Kirby, Adley, same age. Bryce Elder, younger than Adley. Juan Soto, younger than Adley, who's also been amazing this year too. Yeah. And it's funny, uh, I think Javier Reyes, our, our Padres guy, tweeted it out that what are the Padres first in TBRA and fourth and run scored in their last 22 games and they're 11 and 11. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, me neither. But that'll do it for the Just Baseball show. Again, thank you all for listening. Great time to go get your Just Baseball merch. We are putting some new stuff up in the store. And of course, we are brought to you by BetMGM. Remember to use code JustBaseball in order to get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. And if it loses, you will get those back. Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER if you do have a gambling problem. Must be 21 years or older. And remember to go check out our Fantasy Baseball League. It's a blast. No doubt about it. Um, I'm pretty happy. I just had a first five over. Come on, baby. Good on you. Good on me. Needed that. And with that, thank you, everybody.